Greetings, film fans. Welcome to episode 20 of The Big Review Ski, the highly contagious and diseased film show from Joe and her that this week has had to be quarantined. Uh, <laughs> so listen, at your own peril, you have been warned. I'm your soon-to-be ex-host, Owen Doherty. Seriously, I think I'm on the way out. And I'm delighted to be joined by two relatively healthy-looking, for now, film friends. We've it's, a, it's Roy Cash and Palmer. We've an hour to go in a confined space, so... <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's been hanging out with that monkey from Outbreak. <laughs> no, I thought I'd learn my lesson from the last time. Never so kiss the Outbreak monkey. <laughs> he is. Uh, if you're also at death's door this week, why not make one of your final acts on this earth Reviewski related and tweet us on Twitter at Big Reviewski and you can WhatsApp us on 0035387400103. Rudy Nudies are now more than welcome because uh, we need a, we need something to smile about. A little pick-me-up as yeah. it were. <laughs> or, or a big pick-me-up. Or a big pick me up um, uh, yes yeah, so fire those on we've got a super show coming up uh, with head scratching high clues riveting reviews and an interview with Nora Toomey the incredibly talented co-founder of the Kilkenny based animation studio Cartoon Saloon she'll be here to talk about her brand new film The Breadwinner in cinemas now uh, up first though it's time for the big question on the big review ski last week we wanted to know what is the best delivered line in film history it was off the back of Solo I cheated as ever. Mm. Maybe this is karma. Maybe I'm dying because I cheated last week. Or did one of you put something in my drink? Nah, you'd be... But you that also counts as karma. You would, have, as well. you would have felt like that every week if that was the case. Yeah. That's true. Um, so I went for Usual Suspects. Uh, what did you go for again? Get away from her, you bitch. <gasps> oh, that was a great one. I went for it. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Perfect. In fact, your delivery of both of those lines were even better than the original So you ones. have to say them in the way... It doesn't like count that. that you shake your head. I was shaking my head <laughs> as I said that. <laughs> Can you do your Benicia Del Toro Fencer? Give me the fucking keys, you fucking... No, I can't. <laughs> um, and now he's dead. For this week's big question on the Big Review Ski, I thought we'd keep things nice and morbid and movie-related. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to know, what is your favourite... I've been obsessed with death this week, just because you're so close to it. I feel, I feel horrible. You've really taken that Thanos worship into a whole strange new direction. Pretty much. Um, I want to know what is your favourite movie death? And it doesn't have to be, I know it's probably, favourite's probably the wrong word, but it it can be someone dying of natural causes, one that had like an emotional impact or one that completely shocked you. Yeah. Might have been someone getting killed or murdered or whatever, but uh, Rory, what did you go for? Uh, well, I was, see, we, Right, we were talking about this a little bit before we had to like mm-hmm. get you to clarify what you meant by yeah. favourite death. <laughs> yeah. Because my first initial reaction was uh, Mel Gibson's nice nice wife uh, at the start <gasps> of Braveheart. Yes. And it's so sad because she's looking around and, and he, he has not arrived and then she gets killed. Oh, I, I still Lord. can't watch that without uh, crying. But and even him at I the end as well, his death. That's also not a pleasant experience. Pretty harrowing. <laughs> But uh, I couldn't say that either of those were actually my favourite. What is my favourite movie, Death? Sound guy? Swore that we say it was the snow that killed the other two. But it wasn't. Nature can be lethal. But it doesn't hold a candle to man. Now you've seen how bad things can get and how quick they can get that way. Well, they can get a whole lot worse. So we're not going to fight anymore. We're going to pull together and we're going to find a way to get out of here. First, we're going to seal off this So That's it's amazing. A, it's the famous <laughs> death scene from Showgirls. That, uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, Showgirls Sa- Sa- shark. Sam Jackson uh, shark girls. in Deep Blue Sea, which, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little prelude to what I hope there's going to be plenty of uh, great deaths in the Meg. Oh, and you, Big Shark movie. Everything comes back to the Meg. Everything good comes back to the Meg. I didn't see Deep Blue Sea in the cinema, mm. but I remember going around to a friend's house to watch it, and there was a gang of us sitting there, and so I had no idea that. Uh, spoiler alert! Oh, I suppose I should probably say for this particular segment or Megment. Um, the spoiler alerts galore, just in case you don't know that certain characters die in certain films. But uh, that's, well, that that comes with the question, I think. Whether yeah, people know yeah. people are going to die. But Samuel L. Jackson in that scene. 
because he's got a he's telling them it, you, you can hear the music it's rising it's swelling he's inspiring them he's uniting the people uh, he's got an idea for how they can survive these horrible shark attacks and then he just gets eaten by a shark it's amazing it's perfect it's a good one Paul what did you go for I went completely the opposite direction uh, one of my favourite films and still is I think will always be a bit more pertinent in the last few months with the sad passing of the director I went for Randall McMurphy in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest when uh, played by Jack Nicholson clearly in the in the play and in the book and in the film itself he's a larger than life anti-hero guy who lives in his own rules uh, ends up institutionalised in one of the greatest films of all time and kind of the personification of some birds aren't meant to be caged it's really oddly I would argue it's kind of uplifting as a death because he's such a great character that he can't be inhibited in such an awful place and by him passing you see Chief lifting up the the water fountain thrown out and he makes his own escape so through one man's basically just being there he's kind of reignited the lives of these people living in such a dour institution played by wonderfully Nurse Ratchet, one of the best villains of all time and sadly with Milos Foreman passing away with a wonderful director of One Floor of Cuckoo's Nest yeah it's, uh, I was just reminded of that great scene with Nicholson his best performance in my opinion So what you're saying is we should kill Owen Put him yes, out of the okay. yeah. yeah, And then oh. the two of us. You'll be free. I'll be free of own. I'll take something here, throw it through the wall, <laughs> and run. And then Perfect. eat juicy fruit for well, the rest of the But I can't think of that scene now. The Simpsons parried it so brilliantly as well. So, yeah. I know what you mean about it being uplifting, though, because. It's oddly uplifting. Whenever yeah. you see the chief, like, lumbering across the field at the end. Because Nicholson is so full of life in that film, and then you see him lobotomized, and it's just like, you'd rather him not to be remembered in that way you know um, so yeah always always kind of I don't yeah the ending is uplifting I'd always argue it's a happy ending which is really but it's still incredibly sad um, that's a lovely one let's go back and watch that film that's my dad's favourite film One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest your dad's got great taste he certainly does you leave my dad alone he's taken alright Paul um, so in terms of <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm quite protective of my parents um, so uh, for my one uh, I didn't cheat this week I was going to annoy you by just saying Bill Murray in Groundhog Day That'd be funny. <laughs> but I didn't go for that one. But in a way, I kind of just stuck you it just in. You did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, the one I actually did, uh, this is back in 2001. And uh, I remember seeing the trailer for the first of these films um, coming out the year before, I, pre- I presume. And I'd never actually read the books. And the trailer was so amazing. I was like, I need to read these books. Uh, it was... Um, actually, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do your trick. Like, Showgirls wasn't the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a trilogy. Um, but uh, I'm going to do the thing. Hey, sign guy. I do not know what strength is in my blood. But I swear to you, I will not let the White City fall. Our people fail. Our people. Our people. Sean Bean but that, he dies in everything that's the thing say, with Sean Bean there's a pretty good chance one of us was going to pick a Sean Bean <laughs> yeah it was like Bill Murray last week having the best what, delivered lines what's funny is that I mentioned this before we even started recording it I know and I had to pretend I was like I know nothing he's, of which you speak someone died in Lord of the Rings <laughs> yeah so Fellowship of the Ring good decapitation uh, before that as well yes, yes towards the end of the film um, is uh, Boromir who at that point has kind of he's he's had his his dark times he's tried to take the ring but he comes good at the end whenever he's trying to protect the little ones uh, Merry and Pippin from the Urakai, and it alerts it, it's an amazing death scene because um, he goes on for ages much like Lord of the Rings <laughs> <laughs> but, but I remember at the time um, do you know whenever alerts that the lead Urakai is pulling back mm. uh, the, the bow and arrow and you really hear like the from point blank yeah. and then and they have these massive arrows and he gets shot up by like four or five times yeah um and then Aragorn kind of jumps in and 
fights uh, fights the big lad. But uh, yeah, and uh, Sean Bean as Boromir has that uh, redeeming moment. But I remember at the time in the cinema just being like, oh my god, even though. I knew it was coming. It was. I thought it was brilliantly done by uh, Peter Jackson. That's so, a very emotional choice. A, it is. A, that's two emotional choices, actually. It's very, very really, emotional. Really sad now. Really um, sad. Yeah, I feel yeah, like I yeah, should have gone last downer, yeah. because <laughs> 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 the energy levels are too. Play the Sam Jackson clip again. Yeah, exactly. Actually, Sam Jackson was involved in another amazing death scene. Uh, what are you doing? No, sorry, no. I'm just <laughs> saying. Window. I'm talking about films. No, no. Well, that's another good. What one. are but you doing? Pulp <laughs> fiction. Whenever they shoot your man. Head in the in the back we of the car. We had Owen down to one, no, and, he, just, and he succinctly talked about it. And everything. Continuing the conversation. No, you're not. No. Yes, okay, we're shutting it down. Choice now. Do you want other deaths? I love. That's it. Your own. We'll your own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to my emotional death later on in the show. Um, right up Enjoy next, us. we have this week's high clue All example, right. and. Uh, Rory, you're yes. up. You're up, aren't you? Yeah. So, <laughs> were, you, were you confused as to whether it was my high clue or it's whether not, my think, name was Rory? It's, it's, it's not a little bit of both. Rory, I, I always thought it's an alias. <laughs> my, uh, that's his favorite film. Um, the my, film, my TV show. Me, it was a joke. <laughs> Aliens. Alias. That was a terrible joke. Listen. I want to apologise right now. Sick ass jokes are not good. Not well. My no. brain is not working. So just just go with it. All right. No. Anyway, this is the high clue example. I uh, are feel we myself getting sick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to breathe all over the pair of you. Um, this is our high clue example. Uh, a little film riddle where you have to guess the name of the film from our hopefully uh, syllabically correct. Uh, little proper uh, English <laughs> poem that Rory has written. Syllabically, it's a word. Syllable, syllable, syllabically correct. The correct oh number God. of syllables. Good words, good. <laughs> so, okay, need a hey, pen. I'm writing it down. And good. Wait, is that the first Actually, line? Thank you. Need a pen. No. Oh Jesus Christ! It's going to be a long one. <laughs> right, Jim. J I M. Yes. Jim. Mary. Mary and kids and kids volume mm-hmm. control mm-hmm. is needed mm-hmm. the red light yeah means mm-hmm. go okay I think I've got it yeah I think it's super easy Jim Mary and kids Volume control is needed. The red light means go. Any initial thoughts, Paul? Jim, Mary, and kids instantly implied uh, Jim Carrey, Mary Swanson. That's a, that's the first thing that came to me. But I don't think it's dumb and dumber. Uh, Jim, Mary, and kids. First, Jim. I was thinking uh, Jim Kirk for Star Trek, but it's not that. But then, if it's two parents and kids, um, volume control is needed. Uh, the red light means go. The things that are popping into my head, actually a recent film, potentially, mm. from this oh, year. it's uh, Quiet Place, is it? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. is. Yeah. Spot yeah. on. So we've got, so is Jim and Mary, is that their character names Jim for Emily Blunt? Jim and is the yeah, office and Mary, yeah. she's the new Mary Poppins. Oh, oh yeah. brilliant. Happy days. And kids, uh, volume control is needed, of course, from our little uh, hearing device. And the red light means go whenever they go. <laughs> And that like, means oh, the monsters don't, are here. Don't be there. Yeah, um, Get out. that's good. I like that's that good, one. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even do a syllable count. Oh well, okay. Jim, Mary, <laughs> and kids. Five. Volume control is needed. Seven. The red light means go. Five. Sorted. A quiet place. I like that one. In and out, real quick. Yeah, short and snappy. Um, stay tuned for our competition high clue, which will be coming up later on on the show. But for now. I know, I'm sorry for breathing on you. You don't have to take my hand this week because if you touch me, you probably will die. But uh, come on. That let's applies go. every other week. You, uh, yeah. You should go to a hospital. So these are the top 10 films <laughs> <laughs> at the Irish box office this week. Um, number 10 is Breaking In, which as I said, Home Alone for Adults with Gabriel Union. Not great. Um, yep. Number 9 is The Breadwinner. We will be talking about that in more detail later on. As we said, Nora Toomey is our big guest on The Big Review Ski this week. And number 8 is Saoirse Ronan's new film on Chesil Beach. Now, 
Okay, none of us have seen it. Well, I was going to go, but None then. of us have seen it. <laughs> what do you think it's about, Paul? <laughs> uh, Saoirse Ronan uh, meets a fella. They're romantically involved. She's torn between him. Oh. <laughs> uh, moves to Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> joins. Uh, she, she dies, becomes a ghost, comes back. And uh, the Chemical Brothers do the soundtrack to it. Yes. And, uh, yeah. I'm pretty much amalgamated every series of our own film. Paul I can just think do of. stream of consciousness, Paul Murr. <laughs> that was, uh, was quite. That's a pretty accurate. What's, <laughs> what's on Chesapeake Beach actually about? Uh, it, it deals with Saoirse Ronan and uh, her husband in the film. Played I was by right, Billy Howell. Yeah, There's a dude, Billy Howell. Howell. H O W L E. Howell. Shot in the dark. Howell. <laughs> why, why can you not speak? How would you? Howell. H O W W L E. H O W. Who lay? Howl. What are you doing? What am I doing? This one I can't say jewel. Jewel's <laughs> well, no, more controversy later. Yeah. Or, or oh, ally. No. No. Let's not get into the ally thing again. Leave Maybe. it out. Leave it out. Um, oh. But one key question. Uh, do the Chemical Brothers do the soundtrack to this? As no. Well? Is she called Hannah? No. no. From what I understand, it's a relationship with someone, uh, two people who uh, just don't enjoy intimacy right okay. which sounds like, <laughs> like the three of us perfect probably better than Erlingus Gitto in Saturday Night Live <laughs> forced intimacy in Erlingus number seven is Life of the Party which is the Melissa McCarthy film which is unfortunately not as funny as it needs to be similar story with I Feel Pretty Amy Schumer's film at number six big drop for Avengers Infinity War it was number two last week dropped all the way down to number five um, but yeah, still making an absolute fortune all around the world. Number four, Sherlock Gnomes. Any more gnome puns? I think we did them all. Okay, number three. <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> show dogs. Gnome dogs. <laughs> I don't know if that works. Yeah. Show, Squeeze it in. show gnomes. gnomes. <laughs> show dogs. Is this like a doggy version of Showgirls? No. No, okay. <laughs> so show dogs. Panda goes missing. A dog teams up with a human FBI agent played by Will Arnett a panda goes missing yeah all of, you why is the dog involved are you alright <laughs> for the same reason that the chemical brothers are in Saoirse Ronan's film I guess okay um, see but like we knew you we were making fun of the other one this isn't is there actually a panda missing in Shout apparently so yeah right yeah. this isn't just you plot. just doing a uh, wait are a pandas synopsis? dogs panda dog panda dog you're really Pog. well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After a failed attempt to recover a stolen baby panda, a dog uh, teams up with a FBI agent, that's Will Arnett, and they go to Vegas for a dog show, okay. and uh, in search of the panda, the dog and the man go undercover as contestants with the dogs. So Will Arnett's in it, so that's obviously off to a good start. Is it? Yeah. Like, well, he's in a lot of not stuff, not good stuff. Aye, but he's always not watching, not he's, like, he's, he's in Hot Rod, so he'll always he'll yeah, always so be in good books so with me. Allowed. And uh, yeah, the, the crime fighting duo then go after foil a Why kidnapping would you plot go and stuff to a dog show to find a panda. It could, Why it would could, you have a dog show in Vegas? Everything's all. I actually do want to see. I want to see this that, now. That uh, that's my go- actually. That's my goal in the well, next two, in the next two weeks is to <laughs> this film will clearly be in the top ten for the next a long time fifty years. Like if it's anything like, but the, it's actually a pretty that, good casting. Oh, you it's got, gone. You got Stanley Tucci. You got Ludacris, Shaquille O'Neal. So all renowned acting talents, mm. Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal and uh, Alan Cumming of X uh, of X Men Two is in there too. So yeah, are they all? I wonder. Are they all doing voice cast? I wonder were any of those in the same room. I at guarantee the same time? Ludacris is doing the voice for Doug. <laughs> yes, 100%. I wonder what Ludacris and Stanley Tucci talk about. Listen, why of all the rappers would you get Ludacris? Like Snoop Dogg, Bow Wow. And you get Ludacris, the one That's who good. isn't famous. Well, Ludacris is obviously he makes serious money off the back of the Fast and Furious uh, franchise. I was making a dog joke. Yes. Oh, sugar. <laughs> oh, no. Listen. Ah, Rory Choma Bone. Come on. Wait, what oh. were the What were the two Snoop you mentioned? Dog and Bell Bell. Bell. Oh, That's really good. Is anybody else sweating? <laughs> Number two is Deadpool 2. Um, I like your response to sugar. I just need to call a doctor. Deadpool 2. Um, uh, it wasn't quite as good as the original one, but uh, still a decent watch. And number one, brand new entry. It was our big review last week. It is Solo, a Star Wars story. We had Alden Ehrenreich and Amelia Clark on last week's episode of the Big Review Scheme. That's how you got sick. 
Those two. Yeah. <laughs> it's the your, your, your little yeah. triangle going yeah. on there. Our little Sulu sandwich. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, they're probably quite sick oh. as well. But uh, yeah, straight into straight into number one. <laughs> but it's 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 been a disappointing taken for uh, for this kind of around the world. Massively disappointing. Yeah. Um, I think it made a third of what Force Awakens made, oh. and half of what Rogue One made. In why, its opening weekend. Why do you think that but is? It's funny because Rory, you saw it because we both saw it this time last week, yeah, and you Rory. saw it first. <laughs> but relative to the other Star Wars films, because me and Owen, yeah, we're fond of the franchise. We'll have to put You've it been there. known to fond them. Do you <laughs> yes. think it deserved a bit of better taking, or is it just fatigue? People have seen too oh, many of them. Oh, it's absolutely fatigue. Mm. It's absolutely fatigue, which is weird because, um, like Marvel movies come out that regularly. Yeah, this is exactly but I what think I was thinking. There is like a mentality where there was something special about how rare Star Wars movies came out mm. and now that like the last one was literally December like yeah. it's five months ago so I think yeah there is kind of a yeah. But it's clever though uh, I wrote a, an article up on site about That is clever That, <laughs> yes, that Paul, particular character coming back so they could seed that character because Boba Fett was announced with uh, James Mangold this week the guy who did Logan uh, we're going to have the Kenobi spin-off and Alden Ehrenreich signed up for two more so that particular returning character can be seeded into the tree so maybe they're trying to do kind of a shared thing like Marvel are but um, in terms of the film what did you think Rory actually? I really I really enjoyed it yeah I think it's too long and any time they tried to shoehorn in uh, references to Star Wars it, it was like oh that was, mm. that was clumsy but uh, I thought all the actors were great I thought I legit thought Bettany is the best villain in all of the Star Wars films I thought he was fantastic <laughs> you're you're talking about all, all the Star Wars all, like all of them Darth Vader all of them Darth all of them you didn't get and a the cre- Emperor you didn't get a kind you're of creepy Paul Paul, I thought yeah. his character was fantastic I, was, I thought he played it so perfectly because it was like he is a lunatic he like, was he was a proper lunatic. He well, was creepy as. I F. imagine for his filming for that, he probably came in for a few days because he supposedly he replaced, replaced Michael Kenneth Williams. Yeah, exactly. And uh, who I think that character was originally going to be some kind of alien form. Yeah, but in right. the film, Paul Bettany is just basically Paul Bettany with a really scarred face that get that changes color when he's when he's mad and his eyes go red. I noticed the eyes. I didn't even notice the yeah, scars. Yeah, all the changing. scars like get get much much darker. When, Ooh, when his, uh, that's a nice that's a nice changes. detail that I completely missed. <laughs> um, but the other thing uh, about his character as well, some of his outfits, it looks like he's just wearing a normal suit from like 2018 but like in Ireland. Half a cape, half a cape as well. He likes a good half cape. There's uh, a lot of cape action in the film. The cape game is on point. In Solo, it has to be said. What did you think of Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo? He was really good. Um, again, because I'm not a massive Star Wars fan, I wasn't like, how dare you? Harrison, Get forever. hands off him. Like, kind of. You, you know. put that tumbleweed there. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm so sorry, listeners. Own. We can't keep apologising to the listeners. In fairness, <laughs> Ehrenreich, he didn't imitate... Ford, which is, but I thought Glover was more imitation of uh, yeah. Billy D. Williams than Aaron Reich was with Ford. I don't know if you got that. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, he he did seem a bit. I, I you said last week it was kind of pastiche, kind yeah. of a bit, yeah. And I was like a vibe of that, but like he, it was it was fine. The, I hated his droid. I hated her. No, that's interesting. L three, I yeah, think is her name. Bridge, yeah. And the droid uh, <laughs> in the film is very outspoken. Um, a real activist kind of yeah. uh, character. Kind of goes full Dobby and Hermione Granger with the, you know, like Justice for the House Elves type thing, you know, and attempts to free loads of other droids and stuff as well. It was just, it was an interesting kind of, I don't know if they were trying to make it particularly uh, topical, you know, and, yeah. and relevant to like social issues or... Which was weird. Or, or what the story was. Because, because it, it felt just so out of place in everything else that was happening in the film. It was like her personality was dialed up to 12. Yes. It was real maxed out and I was like, that's and there's an in- interesting kind of relationship between that droid and, it's and yeah. Lando Calrissian. It's the writers it revealed that he was uh, pansexual this week, Lando. So right. Yeah. That kind of ties into it. So yeah. pan includes droids then as Apparently well. Apparently so. Earth. So. 
birthday. Um, so that's Solo, a Star Wars story. It is Ireland's number one film at the box office. As we said, we do have some bonus features available for you to listen to uh, with the big <laughs> reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it's that. Back. Um, we have Ian Kenny, who's the Irish star of uh, of Solo. Um, and we also have Woody Harrelson, Tandy Newton, and director Ron Hard uh, in separate episodes there as well. So you can check all of those out. But for now, the big interview on the Big Review Ski this week is the wonderful Nora Toomey uh, on her brand new film, The Breadwinner. And we were talking about this last week because uh, it is at number nine in the box office. Uh, Rory, you reviewed it and both of us both of us went to see this and it's been getting rave reviews mm. uh, all over the all over the world and of course was Oscar nominated as well and it's won a lot of awards but I, I did find it a little bit underwhelming it is quite dark I did find it moving in places but there was something about it that I just didn't I, I don't think I was blown away by it no yeah uh, I listened back to our uh, episode last week and I was Thanks. like I came out I came off much harsher well, I, I than thinking, I intended <laughs> yeah I was, I was thinking like, ah this piece of shit film and like that is obviously not how I felt about it like yeah. I do think it's good I was just expecting great and I think he questioned the, why it was made in the first place of all the you, stories to pick that's the thing I got from last week see, yeah. I, I, like, I, and again I know I, I realised again I was like that that sounded a bit like of a weird question because because why make a film about anything? Yeah, true. yeah. It was like yeah. Fireflies of the, of the what's that one? Grave, uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. Like obviously, it's about a very serious situation, but uh, and it can't be done really well. I just don't think that was the case here. I think it was just a very simple story, just kind of told in a very simple way. There was no, there was nothing particularly cinematic about it. Right, I get you. I think I did like it more than you, but as I said, it wasn't completely uh, blown away by it. But the um, I, I did find it quite educational as well, as I said, because it is set in Afghanistan, and it is, uh, as we said last week, um, it does use kind of the power of storytelling. So whenever I was chatting to uh, Nora Toomey, I wanted to know, was there a particular connection um, between Ireland and Afghanistan that she kind of spotted she fell through the stories because their previous um, feature films from Cartoon Saloon have been Song of the Sea most recently and also uh, The Secret of Kells so very kind of focused on Irish mythology and fantasy there as well so this one was a bit of a, a step in a different direction but maybe it wasn't so different after all so I asked her about that connection between Afghans and the Irish I, I think that the Afghan people are a nation of storytellers. The Irish are similarly. So, you know, I think when you've uh, experienced trauma, either in your history and your present circumstances, it, uh, you know, you can you can connect with that and feel that in a in another culture. Um, for me, the opportunity to work with Afghan people, to hear stories, to make those stories part of, of the breadwinner, to try and um, make, you know, again, try to understand as best I could or to just to pose a question. I mean, the film for me is a, is a, you know is a question you know um, I, I, the the idea that you can follow this young girl through uh, you know a time of conflict um, and try to understand the world through her eyes and then to to have an empathy with her is amazing. But at the end of the day, she's you know her she's quite universal. She's um, she's a child who's you know flawed. She fights with her sister. She loves her dad. You know, and uh, so uh, I, the the idea of putting that on the screen was something that uh, that uh, was was uh, challenging, but was something that I, I love doing. To the closest million, how many times do you think you've been asked about Angelina Jolie and her involvement in the film from either journalists or friends and family and people who just take an interest in the fact that one of the world's biggest stars decided to take an interest and then be actively involved in, in an Irish film. Yeah, no, I mean, it's an interesting aspect of the film. And, you know, she became involved um, uh, knowing that that she could shine a light on the film. You know, um, she's been involved with film all her life. You know, she's been she grew up in the industry in, in Hollywood, but also understands uh, independent filmmaking and understands that um, that films like The Breadwinner don't uh, normally get a lot of attention, you know. So so for her to come on board and, um, you know, become an executive producer in the project and to help guide the project, you know, um, was a tremendous uh, boost and support for the for the film. And she helped with everything from, you know, guiding on the casting to, again, just making sure that we 
had that sensibility uh, in the film that kind of spoke of hope. You know, she wanted very much to get that across in the, in the film. Do you remember that first time that you actually met her? I do. Yeah, we 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 talked about it. Um, it, we had two other executive producers, Jahan Nujem and Karim Amir, who had made a documentary called The Square about the uprising in Egypt a couple of years uh, before. They had, were working on something with Angelina and managed to get the screenplay in front of her. So I got a call to to go and meet with her. Um, so I hopped on a plane and <laughs> and uh, went to meet her and was yeah with just you know. A bag of nerves going into that that meeting but luckily I got a bit lost on my way into the meeting so I was just so glad to actually turn up you know at the right place that I kind of forgot who I was meeting you know kind of thing for so for the first couple of minutes uh, and again you see she looks so familiar that you think you know her you know kind of thing so it's you know several sentences in before you realize oh my god I'm sitting opposite Angelina Jolie you know um, talking about my film you know so um, but she was very down to earth, very warm person, you know, and, and very intelligent, you know. So um, so it was easy. She was an easy person to 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 talk with. And uh, she's somebody who loves filmmaking as well. So all of the ins and outs of um, storyboarding and all that kind of stuff. And she was familiar with animation, of course, because she uh, did the voice of Tigress in Kung Fu Panda films. Um, so um, so it was a very easy relationship, you know, and continued to be all the way through the process. That's the kind of thing if someone says, oh, Angelina Jolie wants to meet you, you're like, it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you are in the world, you're like, I'm going to hop on that plane and I'm going to I'm going to go straight there. That's fine. I can be there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. I, mean, I pretended I was in town on business, but I had actually just specifically just hopped on a plane just to just for that one meeting. Yeah. Oh, really? So she thought you were there anyway? Yeah. Yeah. It was all non- nonchalant, except for the beads of sweat dripping down, from, yeah. or, you know, having turned up at the wrong place initially. Yeah. <laughs> and the hand luggage and everything. And obviously you attended the Oscars. Uh, is it a bit of a surreal experience there? And, you know, seeing people... I know Angelina Jolie, uh, you met her previously, but whenever you say, you know, you see people and you've recognized them and you've watched them for years and you're like, I know these people, this will be fine to talk to them now. But uh, was there anybody in particular who you kind of saw and you're like, I need to talk to that person tonight? Um, I got to talk to Frances McDormand. Uh, yeah, we, we actually got locked out of the room together. So, because they, 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 so it's five hours. So unless you have a fairly seriously heavy duty bladder, it's not going to last you for five hours. So you do have to leave at some point. So, but then uh, they close the doors and then you can't get in until the next commercial break, basically. So, so uh, yeah, so myself, my husband, uh, Michael got locked out with, uh, with Frances McDormand, which was really nice. That was really nice because, you know, um, yeah, she's a very, very nice lady, very down to earth. And we were just talking about how surreal the whole thing was and was asking her if she gets used to it or, you know, she said, you never do. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I got to um, chat briefly with uh, Roger Deakins as well, cinematographer. Um, who, well, he finally won as well. He did. Yeah, yeah. So got to chat with, to him before he won so was, yeah, on his, on his uh, big night. So I knew him before he won his Oscar. <laughs> so, <laughs> Actually, did you were you talking? Were you locked out of the room with Frances McDormand before she won her her Oscar? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then she had that lovely moment where she asked all the female nominees to stand up. So you got to stand up, and realize there were you know there were few enough of us in the in the room together. But it was nice, you know. It was it was a really good moment, and she uh, she's again somebody who very much uses her influence in 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 the industry for 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 a good, you know. Oh, she seems like a, a force of nature, as well as being an incredibly talented uh, actor as well. What what did that moment feel like whenever she did ask all the females uh, to stand up and you kind of do that look around, you're like saying, because you've got people like Meryl Streep, obviously, you know, all these kind of wonderfully uh, talented people. Did it did it feel special in the room at the time? It did. Yeah. But I, and again, I, I suppose it was um, indicative of my experience as a female filmmaker and realizing that other female filmmakers are very, very supportive and then realize that that I have a, a duty and a responsibility to the female filmmakers that I know to con- you know, to to encourage as much as I can and to. Um, you know, to, to speak up as much as I can as well, you know, um, for the next generation. So that hopefully in 10 or 20 years time, if you make a film and you happen to be female, it's not going to be an issue. You know, it's going to point it out as being unusual or strange. Did you have a speech ready for the night? <laughs> I, I have I have a speech which you just cross out the name of whatever, you know, <laughs> Well, you know, whatever event that you're at and you can just like you know swap it out for another you know for another uh one so um 
So yeah, I mean, for 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 everything, you you you're prepared for all possible eventualities or you know possibilities. So, um, but yeah, but you know, as it happened, we just got to enjoy the night. Well, we look forward to uh, everything that's up next and uh, future Oscar nominations and Oscar wins and other awards and recognition as well. But uh, Nora, thanks a million for chatting us and congratulations on the breadwinner. Thank you very very much. Pleasure talking to you. Nora Toomey, director of the breadwinner and co-founder of Cartoon Saloon, which. They just do phenomenal work. Sounds like a nice person. Oh, she was so lovely to talk to. We will have the full extended interview uh, with Nora. Um, that's going to be released uh, in a few days' time, so keep an eye out for it uh, in all good podcast stores. What do, you, do you go to a store to get a podcast? Is that the way it works? I know how technology works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah, we're recording this on a tin with a string at the <laughs> yeah, moment. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of the tin. <laughs> no, she she genuinely was uh, a delight to talk to. And it's unreal because, like, you know, from an animation point of view, it's like, clearly, she started out, she's class at drawing. And then the next thing is, like, you're class at drawing and you can tell really good stories. And then you meet some like-minded people and you go, do you want to just, like, team up and do this together? And then herself and Tom Murr, and uh, along with a whole bunch of other... Uh, Irish people that has now expanded into just talented artists from all over the world coming to Kilkenny and just <laughs> having this amazing uh, world-class uh, film studio and TV studio um, based in Kilkenny. But um, she does, she goes into a lot more detail about the reasons why she picked this particular project. Um, and we heard her talking there about like kind of the award ceremonies and Angelina Jolie, who obviously put a massive spotlight on the film for them as well which is great from an mm. Irish point of view um, as well but um, so yeah now do keep an ear out for that which will be coming up uh, in the next few days now on to what are the new releases that's in uh, Irish cinemas this week and uh, Roy, you're a real hero because you went to see Book Club I did um, well, we spoke about it briefly at the uh, at the end of our episode last week. We did. I think I subconsciously tried to gloss over it. I was like, coming up soon on the big news, we'll have a big club. And then moving on, I was like, no, 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 no. no. Was, it, was it you saw the trailer in the back to the uh, Melissa McCarthy film? And you were like, yes. And you were explaining. And Rory just said, oh my God, I just instantly knew Diane Keaton would be in yeah. that film. Yes, yeah, I've exactly. Seen, yeah. I've seen in like the upcoming releases, there was a film called Book Club. And I was like, I bet Diane Keating is in that film. <laughs> and I was absolutely right. Book Club <laughs> sounds like the name of a film and the premise for a film uh, and the look of a film that exists within another film like a joke film right. do you know what I mean yeah where there's like there's a couple you know when the film is about them and then on their screens there's they, a film called Book Club yeah they got to see a film called Book Club about yeah. women who are in a book club <laughs> so what is it these four women yes it's uh, Diane Keating which we guessed Jane Fonda um Oh, I've forgotten. You want to play Murphy Brown? Okay. Uh, Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown. And then there's Mar- Candy Mary's... Ster- Candy Sterling, is that her name? Do I, should I know that? It, it's Candy's something. Okay. Def- she definitely has a surname anyway. But, uh, <laughs> it's not like Cher. Mary Steenbergen, <laughs> I think. Sorry. Doc Brown's wife. Sorry. You're really good at all the I, names, I, Rory. I do rate and subscribe to <laughs> <Mary's laughs> They are lifelong friends who uh, know each other for decades and they have a book club where they meet up and discuss a, a book once a month and get wine drunk and discuss their lives. And Jane Fonda is kind of the... Who was who was the, the one who had all the sex and sex in the city? <laughs> um, it was Kim Cattrall's character. Yes. She's the Kim Cattrall of the group. She's gotcha. like very like pro-sex and she's like, I don't care what age I am. So I they're like an older version of sex in the city, basically. Kind of, except one of them has sex and the other three don't. So okay. I guess the exact it's opposite. like the four of us in this room, <laughs> eh? You know what I mean? Who's the one having sex in the room? Sound guy. <laughs> sex is sound guy. Because he's the sound guy. Um, but... She decides to bring in, uh, for the book of the month, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. And previously, they'd all been reading, like, you know, really heavy, tomey kind of The Art of War or <laughs> Moby Dick. Just, like, real serious stuff. And she's like, no, we're going to have fun this month. So they read Fifty Shades of Grey. And they have a sexual reawakening in their, mm. into their 70s. Gotta love that Jamie Dornan. Dong, the dong, dong, dong. Uh, and from there, they just, uh, yeah, they all go on their own little sexual escapades and rediscover their sex lady parts. <laughs> Here's a uh, little taste oh. of Book Club. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
This book made me realize that it's been quite a while since we, you know. As in, as in weeks? Mm, like maybe six. Six weeks? Months. Oh my God, I thought you guys were like rabbits. We are. If rabbits took a ton of Benadryl and made a chastity pact. Oh my God, we have to yeah. put a stop to this. Oh, yeah. well, come on. I mean, if women our age were meant to have sex, God wouldn't do what he does to our bodies. Whoa. Well, speak for yourself. Well, that was not God. That was Dr. Nazarian. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. Jokes. I can tell already, Rory, that you completely love it. It is Mary Steenburgen and Candice Bergen. Oh, Jane close. Fonda and Diane Keaton. Yeah. Ladies. And like the uh, the male supporting cast is really good. It's like Richard Dreyfus and uh, Craig T. Nelson and Andy uh, Garcia. Andy Garcia, yeah. yeah. And um the guy who's um the guy from The Princess Bride who has the lisp. Andy Garcia. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck in a loop here, so Rory, you're right. just going to continue. Well, uh, well, sorry. Uh, can you, sound guy, can you kill the sound of his mic? Because I feel he's having too much sex. He's too busy. going to say Andy Garcia again? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? I think I think. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Wallace Sean. Thank you. Um, I can't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> Book club. Book club. Yes. yes, it's terrible. End of review. End of review. Okay, so don't bother going to see it. No, it's definitely going to be in uh, the bottom five of, th- of the films I've seen uh, come the end of the year. Unless oh, there's okay, a couple more ter- truly terrible ones to come along. Well, it is, a, it is a comedy. Did you laugh at all? No, no. And right. it really feels like Dan Keaton has forgotten how to act. Like, just straight up, for- I just, just <laughs> not know how to act anymore. Jane Fond is decent, but, like, she's decent in everything. Yeah. But I feel she was you can't just... can't say that about Diane she Keaton. Was just, she's Annie Hall. I know how you feel about Annie Hall (laughs) I know but like these things happen you just see Al Pacino in in, like Jack and Jill and you're like did you just forget (laughs) what to do that was bad what was the other one he was in uh Righteous Kill Righteous Kill De Niro yeah it was awful there's Simone it was terrible yeah Oh, he's made a lot of turkeys. He made the, he's the poopy man now. <laughs> he is the poopy <laughs> man. Uh, so uh, that is Book Club. It's released in Irish cinemas this week. And, and uh, it will be in the top ten next week. It will. Oh, people oh. will flock to go and see no, it. No, no, no. Not people. Older people. Older people. Because I, I know from experience, from having worked in several cinemas <laughs> for a, a long amount of time. People experience. During the Thank you. Um, that's how I get my money. <laughs> uh, but during the day, like they will come in in droves and see this film. Um, it's it's, it's they a live very their life, don't they? Th- well, like my concern now <laughs> is that wife. this film will do to that audience what Fifty Shades did to the four women in this film. <laughs> right. So there's going to be a lot of knocking on doors of disabled toilets asking people to leave. <laughs> Baby boom. Have you ever had to Baby you, boom? Because you, they're in their seventies. <laughs> oh yeah, the menopause has hit. You so you worked in a cinema for a couple of years. Yes. Did you ever have to? Did you find people having sex in oh, the toilets? Yeah. Yeah. A lot in the toilets, everywhere in the really? screen, everywhere. What? Yeah, yeah. And what did you do whenever you find them? Called security. Videotape them. Called security. Called security. It's like either let me join or in <laughs> <laughs> That's mad. These things happen. Like never underestimate the appeal of that uh, American Spanish actor. The name escapes me. Yeah, um, oh, that's the one. <laughs> 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 anyway, so if you can't make it along to your local multiplex this week to see Book Club or have sex, um, you might be staying at home. Just, just in to case. To have sex. To have sex, specifically to go to the cinema to have sex. Um, if you are staying at home to watch a film, then we do have a recommendation for you to watch. Um, it's my recommendation this week. And I actually only saw this film for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Uh, spotted it was on Netflix and I've been meaning to see it for ages and I was thinking about Solo a Star Wars story and it had a troubled production it did and uh, obviously so your uh, recommendation had one as well yes what's a recent (laughs) Netflix edition that had a (laughs) a troubled production Hmm. Phil Lord and Chris Miller obviously were the original directors on Solo a Star Wars story and uh, they were then replaced by Ron Howard um, who, as we said, we talked to uh, on a previous episode of The Big Review Ski. But this particular film is notoriously uh, known as one of the hardest shoots of all oh, time. I think I know what it is. What is it? What? 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 Apocalypse Now? It's not. It's not. It's but it's. Fitzcarraldo. It's, Fitzcarraldo. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Fitzcarraldo. But it's actually. It, it's a James Cameron film. So, Rory, you'll be a big fan of this. Oh, I think I know. Um, it's The Abyss. Great film. Yeah. Um, he nearly killed Ed Harris. Pretty much. Yeah. So, um, 
The Abyss uh, released in 1989, a science fiction film. And I suppose if anyone has seen a picture or a still of The Abyss, the thing that always stands out to me is Ed Harris sitting there, the other characters, and there's kind of like a water-based kind of creature type thingy uh, kind of looking back at him mm. and this was groundbreaking technology at the time because James Cameron you know uh, exactly as he did with uh, Aliens and Terminator uh, as well just making uh, yeah Terminator yeah, yeah Terminator yeah. like just groundbreaking technology basically but um, The Abyss uh, starring Ed Harris and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio not who, Weinstead. <laughs> not, not, not Weinstead. But she was uh, Maid Marion in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves as well. And you also have Michael Bean. So it's got a really good cast. Um, basically, it's about uh, a submarine goes missing. It's jam-packed full of uh, nuclear warheads. and it's, He loves nuclear warheads. <laughs> he really does. James. Um, but basically, uh, this US submarine, um, even though the crew have unfortunately been lost... Um, they need to send people in to retrieve these warheads before those pesky Russians get their hands on them. So a dive team who are nearby, kind of drilling for oil and stuff, um, led by Ed Harris, they're kind of drafted in by the US military, and some US divers uh, kind of join up with them, and they're led by Michael Bean. So even though it has this sci-fi element, it's the action in it is actually it's really claustrophobic oh yeah mm. it's not to have have both of you seen it the yeah. resuscitation scene always stays with me for yeah. just that of all the effects and I, I haven't seen the abyss in years but if you when you instantly said it that's the scene I, I was yeah. brought to and like you know you're not going anywhere and just beating her chest I think the, the drowning scene when he's forced to first breathe yeah, the liquid stuff because that's there, real. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a, a technology in it that is liquid breathing, uh, and it's a type of water with I don't know extra oxygen in it, and you can basically a human you can breathe uh, through the water, and they test it on a mouse as they actually did in the film, um, but. Uh, they pretend that Ed Harris does it in the film but he actually as you said James Cameron almost killed him a number of times I think and yeah. It, um, yeah. it also has one of the, I think the best closing shots I think I've ever seen when it um, comes up if you know what I mean yeah that have you ever seen the alternative ending no, no actually no. There's a re- there was a really expensive uh, alternative ending where the aliens are they decide actually a bit more annoyed with mankind than they were letting on, and they cause massive tidal waves around the oh, whole no. world, <laughs> no. threatening to kill everyone. Uh, so that would have been so. A Roland Emmerich like, basically took that ending and made it through. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, like I mean, I'd heard uh, about the film for years, obviously, and then the opportunity was there to watch it on Netflix. So um, if That's you a do, good yeah, if you do have a chance to watch it, do because um, it really caught me off guard. The relationship between Ed Harris and uh, here we go again, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Um, because they're, the accents, yeah, they're, they're they're a husband and wife, but they're they're kind of they're a little bit estranged. But through the hardship and the ordeal that they go through, they find that kind of connection, or you can see why they were a couple before. Um, and their chemistry is just unbelievable in their conversations, the way they interact, and the rest of the cast and crew around them as well. Michael Bean is brilliant as well and, and a James Cameron favourite just in terms of kind of slowly losing his mind and that's without even mentioning the fact that it is a sci-fi film about aliens coming to Earth and all that part of it because there's a real kind of strong human element to it as well but The Abyss is my uh, recommendation this week and it's Good available show. on Netflix to watch now it's time for our competition High Clue alright um, let's do this I'm going to say congratulations to High Clue High Priestess Louise Atchison once more who nailed uh, last week's High Clue saying it was a trick question we're not allowed to say the answer now the High Clue was Jack's Mean Green and Clean Support from Tasty Singer Achilles Heel Jules oh her answer that's a good answer Louise her answer is good because the answer to the High Clue is Fight Club and uh, as she said, uh, we're not allowed to say the answer. Um, so she was dead right. I mean, she, she she did say that. She put like a little gif there on Twitter. And so she did actually say the right yeah, answer as well. Like, you <laughs> could use that every week. I know, I know it, but I don't, I want, I don't want to ruin it for exactly. everyone else. So Jack's Mean Green and Clean, uh, that was in reference to Ed Norton because uh, throughout the film he says, I am Jack's this, I am Jack's that. Uh, he's mean because he's an nasty kind of guy. He's green because he played uh, the Incredible Hulk. And he's clean because of the soap in Fight Club. Uh, the middle line support from Tasty Singer. Uh, the Tasty Singer is 
Mm. Meatloaf. And Have he... you ever had meatloaf? I haven't actually tried it. Is, is it, just is it ham tasty? with like breadcrumbs or something? No, it, it's like uh, uh, from what I that well, from, the, from the yeah. version I had, it was uh, it was like whatever kind of meats are left over, and it's put into this like bake thing. It was grim, Ooh. not nice. I wasn't a fan of it, no. Oh, maybe should I change the word from tasty to something else? No, anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, so meatloaf tasty singer. was yeah, the tasty, tasty singer. Tunes. Support yeah. was uh, he was playing a supporting character in the film, but also because of the support groups uh, that him and Ed Norton meet through. Uh, singer uh, was also a reference to uh, Helena Bonham Carter's Martin character, singer, who's called uh, Singer as well, but did not need to be capitalized S because it was originally in relation to meatloaf. So even before in, anybody even <laughs> shouts at me. You've really thought about this one, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Even in your high clues, they have you've two you've two different options going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the final line was Achilles heel jewels. Uh Achilles heel was a relation or sorry, uh was in reference to Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt in Troy. Troy. He plays Achilles. He's also Ed Norton's Achilles heel in this film. And Jules was they fight basically D U E L S, and uh, you could kind of sound wise you could say Jules because it's uh, two of them as well. Oh, yeah, oh. as well. So anyway, <laughs> that was Fight Club. But for a chance to win some juicy Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom merchandise, all you have to do to uh, to be in with a chance of winning those is subscribe to the Big Review Ski and guess this week's competition high clue um, and the competition is also going to appear on Joe as well so you ready? yep ok uh, here we go hit me line one animalistic ok VIP wants red flower wait what? sorry animalistic <laughs> is all of line one Oh, oh. So, VIP wants red flower is the middle line. And the final line is feline parental. I have it. Do you? Yeah. Oh, for God's sake. Mm. I sure do. So, animalistic, VIP wants red flower, feline parental. I did think this one was a little, maybe a little bit easier. For fuck's sake. Anyway, let's see. Yes, Rory has scribbled the correct answer down. He got it. Um, so, animalistic VIP wants red flower, feline parental, but feline F E L I N E parental. So that's pretty much it for the high clue there. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out. <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep an eye out on Joe um, for the competition going up there, and don't forget to subscribe. And we also want people to rate rate the show and like the show. Rate Just do and stuff. subscribe. Yes, because. Yes. Uh, uh, it, it takes five seconds and it actually really helps us a lot so. yeah. yeah it keeps it keeps all of us in a job yes yes, yes. which is nice and as it, well and then next week when we have uh, Owen's replacement yes once he's dead or the ghost of Owen comes to visit us Ooh. and we can maybe Force do ghost. It. we can do it like poltergeist through the medium of like electronic waves and stuff yeah. like that I'm that up for that cool. definitely this podcast studio is clear. or Rory <laughs> what about weekend and Bernie's type scenario when we have Owen's corpse and kind mm. of mimic him it's a yes. bit grim but there will be hijinks if you I'm, I'm actually finding you two talking about using my dead body much more enjoyable than I expected Good, <laughs> because you're going to read it next week. Also looking ahead to next week, coming soon, we will have Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom full review, but we'll also have interviews with Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, and the amazing, the effervescent Mr. Jeff Goldblum. So cool. He is a unique so cool. individual. Now, Rory, you had a chance to talk to Jeff <laughs> I did. Do you, do, you, do you feel cooler this week having met the man? No, no. Nah, I didn't think so. Because... See you next week. Bye. <laughs>